And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com video lock your front door, your sanity. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary, and today I'm sitting down with Ryan Staley. Ryan is the founder and CEO of Whale Boss. His specialty is helping entrepreneurs land the biggest clients they've ever landed. He comes from a background in business-to-business enterprise sales. Ryan has had repeat sales executive roles over his career. He's worked at Pitney Bowes. He's worked at Antenna Software. He's worked as vice president of strategic accounts at Flex Technologies Group. He is a chapter head at the Revenue Collective. He's a founding member of Rev Genius. He's a founding member of Sales Hacker. And now he works, like I said, with his own company, Whale Boss, to help entrepreneurs close the largest deals they've ever had access to ever thought possible. He has over $150 million in revenue that he's personally closed over the course of his career. And his claim to fame in his most recent role is scaling from zero to $30 million in annual recurring revenue with four salespeople that he was working with under his tutelage with zero marketing, zero demand generation. So if you're just starting out, regardless of whether or not you're selling software, you could be selling hardware, you could be selling a service to help you move up market and close larger deals. We have two incredible sponsors for today's episode. We have JustWorks, a tool that allows you to scale your small business easier. And then we have Gusto, your one-stop shop for all payroll solutions. This is another episode of Success Story Podcast. Without further ado, Ryan Staley. It'd be like it'd be like saying YOLO and throwing all your money on GameStop. Now, yeah. granted, it could work out, but there's a lot of poor staffs that lost a lot of money on that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or just going all in on a, a meme stock, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks again for joining me. Today, I'm sitting down with Ryan Staley. He is a career sales and revenue executive. 
He had his first success in business as an inside sales rep selling cutting-edge technology, training CIOs, CTOs, and VPs. He finished number one nationally, was promoted to manager, and then senior manager, kicking off an incredible career in sales, moving into more complex, larger enterprise organizations. He was a multiple-year President's Club winner and equity holder. Uh, the experience uh, building this incredible sales career launched Ryan into leadership positions in which he was responsible for transforming struggling business units into top performing offices, uh, creating enterprise teams from scratch. The new business units he created in several in one particular company grew from zero to 30 million annual recurring revenue, 30 million in capital revenue over 30 individual $500,000 plus contracts and one $20 million contract, if I'm not mistaken, with only four salespeople, no lead generation, no demand generation. Ryan has codified his playbook across all the sales roles he's had over his career. He now has built out his own sales firm, whale boss, working with executives, CEOs, revenue leaders, to implement a seven to eight figure sales system in an extremely short three month sprint. Uh, Ryan, very excited to have you on to break down your sales system, your career. Thank you for coming on. What is your origin story? Like my superhero origin story? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, man. It's good to see you. No, my I, pleasure. Speaking of like, yeah, I've been doing like sales and marketing. I see everywhere. So you're doing you're doing a fantastic job of uh, getting your name out there, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But um, this is this is about you. So yes, your superhero origin story, and then your 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 sales executive origin story, which is just as impressive, man. So where so you know I walked through a little bit, but you know give me some details. So you were your career sales, but was this on purpose? Did you go into sales on purpose, or was this? what was it yeah so I'll, I'll walk you through that i'll walk it's it was kind of interesting because like and this isn't in, in the bio that you read but everybody starts somewhere and my whole beginning into sales and, and what made it attractive to me i mean i started i was like a paper boy you know so i had a paper route uh multiple paper routes when i was there uh, i then became a bus boy and had the uh the the, the wage of, of three dollars and 75 cents an hour plus tips, you know, so so that was fantastic. But what I saw on the way home from being a busboy when I was like caked and that Italian food smell from the pizzeria that I worked at and just had my dress shirt that just kind of stunk, right? It was disgusting. So I'm on my way home, I'm like, there's gotta be a better way to do this, right? And I come from a blue collar family where my dad was a police officer, my mom was a teacher and they just worked their butts off. And what I saw them doing is working so hard and they didn't have really big jumps in their income or they weren't necessarily compensated for the, the size of the contribution that they were delivering. So a light bulb went off at me. I'm like, there's gotta be a better way to do this, right? And so I'm on my way home and I basically see a sign and the sign says, you know, start your career here, $14.95 per hour, like apply within, right? So I'm like, oh, this is amazing. What could this be? What is this mystery job? Do you know what do you know what this company is that I'm talking about? You're smiling. A no, bit. I just I no. think it's some sort of I don't know some sort of call center, some sort of boiler room. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you would think it is right. So of course, very similar to the movie Boiler Room, which I actually did work in a boiler room environment. We can talk about that later. But um, anyways, 
it was a group interview, right? Oh, okay. So you go in and they give you this big presentation about all these things. And um, basically, it was a company uh, called Vector Marketing, which is a subsidiary of Cutco. You're familiar with the Cutco knives, yeah, the, the knives. knives. <laughs> yeah. And so anyways, uh, I listened intently. I asked great questions. So like 99% of the other people that were there, they invited me for a job opportunity. So I'm so excited. I backed up my car. I'm like, all right, I got this job. I'm making thousands of dollars this summer. Screw the $3.75 per hour. I'm crushing it. I'm going to make 5x that. Like, hurry up, throw it in reverse. And by the way, at that time, I was driving a wood grain station wagon, no, minivan, uh, that I crashed into a pole right there. And I'm like, all right, screw it. It doesn't matter. I'm making so much money this summer. I'm going to destroy it. Drive home, make the pitch to my parents. And then they gave me the soul crushing blow of saying, there's no way in hell you're going to work for Cutco because all you're going to do is pitch our friends. Yeah. And they were kind of right, because that's what I said. They're like, where are you going to get all these leads from? I'm like, your friends. I'm just going to pitch your friends, mom and dad. And so long story short, I did. I was not able to take the job. I caused $1,200 worth of damage, and I had to kind of grind my way out um, to pay that off. But that was kind of like the pivotal point that got me interested in more of a, a sales career. And then from there on out, I started in college and then grew from there throughout my career and just continually just chipped away at it grinded and escalated my career. So, okay, so you then you went into more traditional roles. You went into SDR, you went into manager, senior manager, you've done the gamut of sales stuff. So, um let's it, you, we can touch on any 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 piece of that cuz I'm curious was you mentioned boiler room, you mentioned SDR. I feel like you've done like every sales job in the world, but um I obviously want to unpack like what you did when you grew a company to 30 million. Um, were there any notable yeah. career points between the Cutco SDR to the 30 million with four staff that you wanted to bring out that were just in incredible things that you learned or anything like that? Yeah, I can, I can give you a couple yeah. nuggets. I, I mean, and just for clarity purposes, I never was an SDR. Oh, I'm sorry. Like SDRs was, didn't okay. even exist back then, at least the term that I was aware of. Um, so I worked for inside sales. So it was like boiler room where I had a, one call close people mm -hmm. for a training package of like $4,000. Now, it wasn't a stock that didn't exist or anything like that. It was legit. Um, however, there was kind of two pivotal moments that, that I experienced throughout my career that really changed everything and then helped pave the way for that trajectory of, of basically what happened with that, that growth yeah. that you mentioned in my bio. And so um, one of them was I was a rep. And when I was a rep, I was... I, I closed zero deals in the first eight months there, which is really, really hard. However, I had a revolving door of managers, brand new office that was opened up. And finally, I figured out and found my way. So, you know, month nine got a big deal, month 10 got a big deal, month 11 and 12, right? So I was just a slow starter, a fast finisher yeah. with that. Um, then I continued over years, did the same thing, right? And basically what happened was I got sick of working 60 hours a week to make 100% of my quota when I saw another guy who was flying on private jets, worked nine months of the year and only worked 30 hours a week max. A, a so sales like, rep? Is a sales rep was flying on private? Yeah, sales rep. Yeah. What what yeah. industry was this? <laughs> what job do I have to apply this for? Like, <laughs> this is like managed services for, for printers. 
like man like hp yeah. like smart like management wow services, all right well so it was not anything sexy by any means but he right? was he was making good money or she was making good money yeah yeah he was he was, he was doing yeah. really well and and you know i'm, I'm sure uh <laughs> i'm not even gonna get into it there, there's some other shenanigans that he was doing but but anyways i'm gonna take yeah, the yeah. high road um and so what happened was i i like really dissected what this guy was doing I'm like i gotta figure this out so i reverse engineered it Found out this guy basically out of his whatever 180% of quota he hit it every year, roughly about 130% of it came from like two hmm, deals. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, he's he's basically got two customers, he's doing that, and then he's just adding on some other components, right? Every single sales company I worked at had the same kind of model where there was one or two people that would be, you know, those those people that are like chairman's club, 190%, 200%, and everybody else was like 140%, yeah. right? And it was a trend, it was a pattern. So what happened was I started to really focus on that. And then what happened was when I was a leader, um, I hit a wall because I was my first time in management, I was grinding away and essentially we then started to take off, but um, they shifted me okay. departments. So they're like, Ryan, you're great at big deals. We want you to start this enterprise team from scratch. And so one of the, we had no playbook, we had no marketing department, we had no SDRs. We had nothing. Like it was just like I didn't even have a team. They're like, just go figure it out, Ryan. I'm like awesome, <laughs> sweet, right? So um, what ended up happening is I I looked at that experience I had prior, and I'm like, okay, this is a track record. This is what they're doing. So I started off like deconstructing all the big deals that our company had, and what were the patterns and verticals and exact situations that they did, and then from that, basically, I started to see patterns in terms of how people bought, what they did, and how they they acquired um, different customers. And so I took that, that like basically that I modeled all those success factors and then put it into and package it into a process that I developed from scratch on how to sell enterprise deals. And what we did is we leveled up each year. So for example, our monthly reoccurring revenue um, for, the size of the deals might be twenty thousand dollars a month, right? In year one. Well, the next year we leveled it up and we got we started getting seventy thousand dollar a month deals. Then it was one hundred fifty thousand dollar a month deals. Then it was, you know, three hundred thousand. Then it was six hundred thousand. So that was the way we scaled really fast, as we kept and specifically focused and were really hyper targeted on continually expanding and multiplying our biggest customers. And that's how we were able to be resourceful and get those results. That's that's an interesting. So you were just now the name makes sense. You were going after the whales. You were going. You were going after. That's the name. Yeah. Um, so exactly. that's that's the point where uh, you scaled. So you and by the way, I, I guess uh, I, I sort of skipped over this, but I didn't even I didn't even realize um, when I said it. But SDR. Uh, so sales development rep, I guess that's the, that's the modern iteration of an inside sales rep for, for whoever is listening and trying to unpack those acronyms. So, um, as you, as you <laughs> went through, you finally end up in the sales management position, you, you sort of reverse engineered this process. This is the process that you use to build out this $30 million revenue machine in, in your business. When, when do you start to branch out on your own? this is like probably this is the this is probably where you start to understand like okay i have a process here it's worked repeatedly 
And now there's an option for me to take this and, and, and run with it because obviously other companies uh, need this because they're always hurting with these enterprise clients. Yeah, and so I, I think a lot of it started, it was really interesting, Scott, because it started, um, I, I just, I didn't really work on building my brand. I was so focused on achieving mm -hmm. those results internally. And I networked it with customers or customer facing components, but not with mm -hmm. with peers. I really, it, other companies, I networked with peers at my company. So I was yeah. kind of like in my own bubble. And that's one of the biggest things that I tell salespeople, it's always, always, always talk to people outside of that. So what happened was um, I started talking to folks as I was building my brand and they're like, what'd you do? You know, cause yeah. a lot of salespeople are competitive, but they're like, so, so give me your baseball card. What, what are your stats? What did, what did you execute on, right? And then I started telling people, and I'm like, huh, that's like really impressive. And I'm like, it is? They tell me at work I'm not doing enough. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so like, I was like, oh my God, like yeah. I got something here, right? And then I started asking around and they're like, they're like, dude, nobody else is doing that. And so I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So basically what happened, and we, we talked about this a little bit before, is my firm, I started to work on creating a methodology and a frameworks around this, started to create a course for sales reps, not for companies my company found out about it they didn't like it it was in the middle of covid and they say ryan yeah. it's time for you to leave right after being there for nine and a half years so it was like the peak of covid so uh that's a whole nother story we can get we don't need to get in that <laughs> i don't now. want i don't want to bring um, up uh, a little heart i don't want to bring so, up uh, bad memories uh <laughs> give you a little ptsd <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sucked, man. The first four or five months, I was yeah. just trying to figure out what was going on. I mean, that's when the riots were happening in Chicago. There was all sorts. Of, I mean, it was a really unique time. And I kept saying to myself as a point of motivation, like, Ryan, this is going to be a hell of a, a, a comeback story. This is going to be a hell of a redemption story. And so um, I did an enterprise summit last year in October. And I started talking to people. Once again, this kind of came to the surface. And I'm like, I really want to be working with with CEOs. And I started talking to my network and people are like, well, what you did, I want you to do that for my company. Mm -hmm. And so I started to focus on it. And the more I focused on it, the more it started to grow. And so now essentially I coach CEOs on how to implement those systems that got that result for me before when in a resource constrained environment where they don't have tons of venture capital. Yeah. And now, and I actually, I love um, something that you said before that actually really resonated with me. Um, based on your own past experience and probably many others, there's a lot of uh, a, lo a lot of founders that all they want to do is raise money. All they want to do is bring on investors. Oh, it's too slow to bootstrap. And for a lot of people, it is very hard to bootstrap. But, you know, your purpose is, okay, there's other ways to, to go up market, to close multi-million dollar customers without having to have venture capital and, and put on this in, like incredibly... Uh, stressful growth trajectory that you always go on when you take in outside money. So that's also something that's very, uh, the fact that you brought that up, that you realize that a lot of founders deal with that. I think it's quite respectful. Um, so, so how is, how is it, how has it been? Because when, you know, the fact that you've done this for companies, you did this for your own company, it blows my mind, honestly, the, the fact that they let you go because of a course that brought them X million dollars, honestly, like I have, it is what it is. Um, I have my own thoughts about that, but that's okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all about building personal brands and I'm a big proponent of it, regardless of whether or not you're in or out of a company. I think it's only a benefit to the company at the end of the day, but you know, not everybody agrees. So um, moving on from that. Uh, so what, what are your results like working with companies? Cause you make a bold claim. You say 
um, how did you, 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 the way you phrase it is uh, seven to eight figures, implement seven to eight figure sales systems in a three month period. I'm assuming industry agnostic, doesn't matter. This is what you can go and implement. So walk me, walk me through some of the results that you've actually had. What is your baseball card since you left? Yeah, sure. And, and you know, as a, in, in full transparency, this is something that I've been working on really for six months. Um, so it's still like the results, you know, I, yeah. I don't have tons of baseball card stats on it. All, all that I will tell you is that like 90% of my customers are renewing after yeah. the initial three months because they want me to keep working with them. So obviously I'm, I'm doing something right. And what I'll tell you, I'll give you kind of the framework of kind of how I approach it. Would that be helpful, Scott? It would be great. Yeah, I think that would be good because that's, uh, there's two things that I want to pull out of you. I want to pull out of, of your mind as somebody quickly transitioning into entrepreneurship and how you did that. But obviously the, the sales system is also, that's key. We got we okay. to go into so that. So I hit the sales system and then we hit the entrepreneurship. Yeah. Is that cool? cool? Cool. All right, awesome, man. So, so basically the way you look at it is there's all these software companies that are being created, right? And I, I specifically focus on higher ticket companies. So companies that are selling solutions that are 30,000 or $40,000 or more, really. Cause it's a lot of, it's a completely different motion. If you're selling a $99 a month product or a 299, it's completely different than if you're selling 40,000, 100,000, 200 and up, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of my niche that I work on because there's so many more complexities to do that. And so basically the way I look at it is there's all these software systems, all these software, I should say companies are being created, tech companies are being created. They spent all this time systemizing the development of their software and, and the constant up, updating and, and operating system for that, but they don't create the operating system for sales. Mm -hmm. And right. so really I look at that and I'm like, okay, what can you do to implement a sales operating system. And there's three components that, that I look at when we're doing that. Number one is that that specific strategy I mentioned to you before is, okay, what are your top five clients and how do we replicate and expand them every single year, right? What's the process so that if you have five customers that are paying you $20,000 a month, how do we make that 10 customers next year that are paying you $30,000 a month? The numbers add up really, really quick. A lot of times too, if you focus on it, you could even double it. So if someone's paying you 20K a month, you could double it to 50K a month. Yeah, yeah. And it, it doesn't take a lot of effort. Where people go wrong and the biggest mistake they make is they try and go from 20K a month to $200,000 a month. And, and a lot of the customers, like they don't have the references, yeah. they don't have the infrastructure to support that. Whereas if you go more of a doubling motion, it's a lot easier to make that bridge. So that's and the do, number and one sales out. That piece, do you do that? Do you recommend doing that with new products? Or like, what's the, what's the strategy to actually uncover that additional budget? Is it selling to a, a, another business unit within the company? I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, JustWorks. JustWorks relieves all the headache to do with admin work or HR work for your company. If you're a small business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, JustWorks is going to allow you to focus on building the business, not working in the business, right? Work on the business, not in it. And all the all the admin headaches that come with running and scaling a business, JustWorks is the tool that allows you to get those off your plate. So these are just some of the things that JustWorks does. It allows employees to onboard themselves in a few minutes, gives them immediate access to all your healthcare insurance plans, large national group insurance plans. It gives you access to 24 seven HR consultants so you can access anytime 
It allows you to run payroll, manage benefits, figure out state-by-state regulations and tax implications. It allows you to disseminate all of the sick leave policies, insurance policies to your staff without having to be bogged down with administrative headache and answering questions. Your staff can use JustWorks, your employees can use JustWorks so that you can truly focus on growing your business. One of the biggest issues that entrepreneurs have or small business owners have, and I've seen it firsthand, and I've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners, is that they get too caught up in running the day-to-day and they don't focus on the vision. And if you don't focus on building the company, if you don't focus on the vision of the organization, it's not going to grow. So you owe it to your employees to invest in tools like JustWorks so that you can focus again on that vision and focus on building. And then the other admin components that you just don't want to take on, that's where JustWorks has your back. If you want to learn more about JustWorks, go to JustWorks.com and you will see a full list of all the various things they can do for your business, all the tasks they can automate, all the headache they can remove. So go to JustWorks.com for more info. And you can find out exactly how JustWorks can help your business. All right, let's get back to the show. What's the, the go-to? Uh, well, that this one is new, net new customers. Okay, so oh, okay sorry. The, the whale, scale, okay. whale scale operating system, that's the first one. So that's net new customers. Okay. So um, the second one is what you just hit on is a secondary sales system or a secondary sales process. So... Uh, and basically, that's that's expanding existing customers that in terms of the average spend or the average cart value, average dollar value, lifetime value, whatever acronym you're using. And so what happens is companies will spend, especially on larger deal sizes, they'll spend six months, eight months, nine months, sometimes even a year getting a customer. They get the customer and then they don't talk to them. Mm-hmm. They don't have a, a process that after they get that customer, how to create continual value while also seeding and selling every time that they see them of the next problem they have. Because let's face it, whenever you get one problem solved, there's usually five new problems that occur as a result of that, right? So that's number two. Number three, and this this is my favorite, this is what I'm on fire about just because it's so simple and Scott, I had an epiphany about this when I was sitting in a room. I was at a conference. There's 5,000 entrepreneurs. And Tony Robbins asked, like, how many people have one of these systems in place? How many people have two of these systems in place? How many people have three? By the time he got to two, less than 4% of the room had this in place. He's like, that is the single, like, one of the single biggest components you could do to double and triple your company. And you want to know what it is? It's a system around customer-to-customer referrals. Hmm. If you look at um, Dropbox, Dropbox literally grew from 100,000 users to 4 million users in 18 months because of a referral system. Interesting. That's the main source of it. You're right. I think you're 100% right. Nobody, Nobody really focuses on that. Right. Yeah, so that's 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 a specific example. There's another company that I know too. This isn't out on the web or anything like that, but essentially they grew uh, from one million to about five million in 18 months and sold to LinkedIn. And they did that through a referral system. So 
it's like you build up all this capital with your customers, but you don't systemize on them spreading their word and accelerating the word of all the work that you've done to them to make them happy. And and that's something that I don't think I've ever heard discussed at an enterprise level, ever, really, because you ask for referrals. You ask for referrals when you, when you complete an RFP, maybe. You ask for some referrals to record a video and throw it up on your website. But those are not systems. Those are one-off transactions to get some social proof, right? Yeah. How, how do you build a, how do you build an enter? What's the Dropbox? Do you know the Dropbox example, like how they built it? How they? Yeah, that's super, that one's super simple. And I'll give you this as a takeaway, but then I'll, I'll give you kind of like the high level framework of, of kind of how I, I view it or approach it. But like all Dropbox did is they included in their implementation, you know, seven steps to implement it and get started. And step number seven was if you uh, refers two people, you'll get an extra 250 megs of space. Hmm. That's it. So um, that's that's a, that's a real simple one. Now, granted, that's on a lower ticket, $99 a month one. But on the enterprise side, there's a lot of opportunities. And so the way I approach it, and I got hit by a bunch of different angles with this, but basically I use the behavior design that was that created uh, Instagram, that the founders of Instagram used to uh, basically explode that platform, that social media platform. So I use the behavior design for, from that to make it super and drop it into an existing process that you already have. So it's not all these new things that you gotta do, right? From your team's perspective. And then also I, le uh, I leverage the behavior dynamics of, of a lot of psychology. And I'll give you a simple principle that works just wonders. And this is very, very simple. Um, however, it's gotta be customized to the individuals. But like, for example, have you heard of uh, Robert Cialdini's book, Persuasion yes, or Persuasion yeah. or Influence yeah. and Persuasion? Persuasion, yeah. So you, have you, are you, the reciprocity yeah. principle, which is number one, is the idea, and I love this example because it's so simple, everybody gets it, is that you know when you go and you go to a diner, you go to a restaurant and your waitress comes or waiter comes and they're like, all right, here's the bill. Before that, the ones that give you something get a 17% increase in tips, right? Now, if they make it custom or specific to you, like they bring you the bill and it's unexpected and they come back and like, oh, here's some coffee. I realized that you really like coffee. You could take this to go. Those people get a 30% bump in their tips. And it's because people feel the need to reciprocate if you give them something of value, specifically mm -hmm. on the spot. So that's part of the process that we integrate in there. And then the third, last but not least step is you map the process on your side, you map the behavior dynamics, but then at the same time, you mirror those to the peak emotional experiences that your customers have throughout their journey from the point in which they sign with you to the point in which they have their first win to the point in which they're you know over the moon. And those are the right times to ask because you give them something, they're super ecstatic, they love you, and they'll def and then you got to make it easy for them, and then they'll give you those referrals all day long. That's a, that's very very smart. So this is the three part. This is the three part system that you implement. Now, how do you how do you do this in three months? That's 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 not easy either. You can you know you go into an enterprise organization, you do it over a year. But what about the three month piece? Yeah, and so in, in in full transparency, I'm not working with billion dollar companies on this, right? No, fair, fair, yeah. <laughs> so just a little bit more agile. These are people that are yeah. selling to enterprise companies, selling to big True. big deals, I should say. So um, so it's it, now granted. However, I will tell you this: 
there is one of the biggest companies in the world that I'm in conversations with that is not doing this. So like it, it scales from up and down, um, which is why a lot of people are highly interested. And then you map the metrics to it and it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even backed by HubSpot that 90, 92% of, I think it's maybe 84, it's 84%, I believe, 84% of new purchases start with a conversation from a peer. So I put some gasoline and accelerate that, right? Yeah. So yeah. the three month thing, what you're asking about that is um, basically it's 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 the way you look at it. And when I work with folks, I'm going to start to to codify this into um, a course and a training that I'm doing so that I could expand this out to much more people because I believe that you can make an impact on Scott. I mean, the number I threw out there is 100 million. I still got to do a yeah. little research to make sure that number is uh, achievable. But help 100 million people to grow their businesses by giving first to grow their business, which I think is beautiful about the model because people light up when when you do that. Um, And how it's done in the three-month period is it's really looking from macro to micro. What is that company specifically doing? How are all their processes, systems set up? And then how do we map those kind of different components to them? And then at the same time, plug into what their customers are going to respond to. So look at it from like assessment to execution is kind of how I approach it. I love that. I love that. Okay. Um, now I now I have entrepreneurial questions because I the only reason why I'm really curious about your entrepreneurial journey is because it is fresh and you just did a complete pivot in the middle of a pandemic and you're not you know you still have you still have your hair you're not you're not you're not you know uh, game over yeah. <laughs> Um, it gets a little bigger every day, but that's okay. That's okay. Whatever. You still have some. So it's been like a, an okay couple months. Um, no, I was going to say, so So I wanted to ask you entrepreneurial questions about your journey, but is there anything um, about the selling system uh, or, or some of your sales experience that we didn't go into? Because you, you gave a really nice summary, but I didn't want to cut cut anything out. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give a micro. I mean, long story short is... There's a lot of complexity to really big deals. Yeah. And um, what I'd recommend is if you're a founder or you're a CEO and you want to move up market or you're trying to muscle this up and do it on yourself, work with someone who's been down that path and not someone that has necessarily worked at an Oracle or an SAP. Not that there's anything wrong with them. However, a lot of times the brand recognition is different than working with something that's completely unknown. So yeah. my recommendation, it doesn't have to be me. There's other people out there. I'm sure that you could find, but work with someone who has been in your situation where they're going from an unknown brand to selling to really big companies because there's an art to it. So, um, so we don't need to get anything else about me. That's just a little advice or tip. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Gusto. Gusto is the easy online payroll and benefit solution set up for small businesses. So really, Gusto is payroll, benefits, onboarding, HR, all in one place. And it helps you accomplish all of that. But keep in mind, it is built for the business owner. It is a people-first platform. It is the most user-friendly tool that I've ever used. And this is really just to remove all the busy work, all the admin work away from running a business. So let me just list out what it takes care of because it really is an all-in-one. So it does payroll, W-2s, 1099s, health benefits, 401ks, uh, offer letters, onboarding checklists, software setup. They transition your entire business from whatever you're previously using to Gusto free of charge. 
They also have on-demand access to HR experts in the platform. You can get unlimited payrolls for a monthly price, automatically file all of your taxes, state and federal. When customers migrate to Gusto, they don't leave. 94% of their customers say that Gusto has dramatically streamlined all of their payroll headaches compared to whatever software they're using before. And three out of their four customers say that they can run their entire company's payroll in under 10 minutes, which is absolutely insane. And a huge, huge, huge savior for anybody that is trying to run a business themselves that doesn't have all the help in-house just yet. Or perhaps they do have the help and they're just not efficient or they're not quick and you want to perhaps scale that person, that's what Gusto can do for you. And they're also offering a great discount for everybody who is a Success Story podcast listener. They're giving you three months free of the tool. So if you go to gusto.com slash Scott, you get three months free of payroll solutions. There's no limitations on your account. So go to gusto.com slash Scott, sign up, and you will remove all of the headache when it comes to running your business, and you can now work on your business as opposed to in your business. Gusto.com slash Scott. I promise you, this will get rid of all, all the pain points, all the headache. This will be the best business decision you've ever made. All right, let's get back to the show. And just, I guess, one thing that just I just thought about, what about what about the risk in, in putting, you know, all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, going after enterprise versus uh, maybe winning some smaller deals quicker? Is that an issue? Uh, I think, um, no, because I don't believe you should do that, right? It'd be like, it'd be like saying YOLO and throwing all your money on GameStop. Now, yeah. granted, it could work out, but there's a lot of poor staffs that lost a lot of money on that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or just going all in on a, a meme stock, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, and while we're on the topic of investments, real simple way is look at, and you don't need to hire a whole new enterprise team. You can, with this method, you can start to have your team expand up mm-hmm. and do it and look at it like a balanced portfolio, right? If you want to start going up market, have 30% of them be enterprise, you know, we're, 50% being mid-market and maybe 20% being small, medium business. It all depends on your business. Yeah. But, or if you're mid-market and enterprise, you do a 70-30 split to start and then it could eventually move to 50-50 because then you have the lawns and then the short and medium wins too for cash flow purposes. That's smart, very smart. Okay, um, let's let's break down your entrepreneurial journey. So you were, you were, you're starting a course, you were let go. What do you do next? Do you work like how did you decide to start this company and and what were the steps you took? Yeah, man. So I always had the dream of, of starting my own company and doing my own thing. I think like I stayed. I I probably should have left like three years ago, to be completely honest. Like I stayed two years too long, and the reason being is I was always you know once you start to get to a point in the corporate world, you make good money, it's safe, and it's almost like you feel bad if you turn your nose at that and say like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my own thing and start from scratch, right? Um, my situation was a little bit different, so I was forced into it. However, not once that I look for another job. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna find a way to make this work. And it's been my dream. I don't wanna ever work for someone else again. Now that's where I'm at right now. Maybe it changes, right? So I burned my boats. Um, I mean, and, and dude, I'll tell you, man, when it first happened, it was really hard. And I, I haven't told this to anybody at all, so, your folks are first to hear Exclusive. it, but in a sense of vulnerability, <laughs> yeah. 
like um because it's not it's not a, a wound anymore it's probably more of a scar but i remember like it was not a good day in the staley household my my wife was like what are you gonna do you know she was upset my son thought that uh he, he played in band at the time and i love the little guy he's like dad am i gonna have to play my saxophone for money like we get kicked out of our house you know and it's funny now however it was gut-wrenching to see yeah. like my family with all that indecisiveness so i just started chipping away and trying lots of things um i had some mentorship in different areas i joined some coaching groups to upskill myself because that's the fastest way to get results you got to invest in yourself to get those outcomes and i started trying a lot of different things and really taking note and i worked a lot of hours yeah um and really it kind of got to the point where that was the first five months of it and then once i made the shift you know, I had a lot more clarity around what I needed to do and how I needed to approach it. So the biggest thing that I think is really, really important that that I made the mistake that I'll, I'll share with you, the listener, is that I try to do too many things at once. And I still have the curse of the shiny ball syndrome mm-hmm. every now and then now as well. But to really narrow it down on one offering and just absolutely crush that offering um, and then you could think about scaling later. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my advice, and that's that's kind of you know where I've gotten to, and I'm out of the thick of it now, and things are exciting. That's amazing, and, and that's good for you. Very good for you. Like congratulations, because that's not easy. Um, and you, so you found this. You found that this is you know you had your product that you had proven out that has worked, and then you just sold it. You sold this strategy to businesses, and now. Did, when did you close your first deal as an entrepreneur? Uh, was it month five? Yeah, well, so I started having people, it's funny, because I started having people want like want me to coach them on how to sell, because I help sales reps, like I help one person increase their income from never being in B2B sales to almost like 500K in like a couple of years. So, um, so people, I started, I had some coaching students like right from the get-go, okay. like people wanted me to work with them and help them. Uh, so I had kind of different avenues where I started to do that. Uh, my first consulting company that I closed was right after I did the Enterprise Sales Summit. And it was kind of on accident because I wasn't focused on it, but I had someone from my network tell me, I want you to help me with this. And then I had someone else from a referral tell me like, hey, like, I want you to help with this. And, and then I started getting more referrals, leveraging my own dog food. And that's where my passion for referrals come because I basically started to create you know really really good cash flow and momentum from harnessing referrals i wasn't even focused on that scott mm-hmm. like originally like i wasn't i didn't play inside my network with that i was always siloed in my company like i said so i'm like this could be the best one of the best gifts that i could give entrepreneurs or startups that are starting if i could teach them how to do this and systemize mm-hmm. it and right and and right now is it is it still you that that has to go in and and teach or are you are you starting to coursify this because you said you were trying to do that yeah so i i have uh customers that i work with one-on-one and obviously there's limitations to that you know in terms of scaling your time and so uh, i'm doing that but i'm gonna have some some new offerings coming out very very shortly uh so i'm excited that i'm gonna have uh, a course it's probably going to be a boot camp type fashion, like a 12 week uh, course to implement this. And I think, I mean, it could, it could deliver massive, massive results. I mean, one of my customers 
Um, they had with one of these, just one of the operating systems I mentioned, they had a person who is spending 25% of their time that was in the training department before, and they got the entire ROI on the consulting engagement in like a hmm. month and a half. It's pretty damn good. Yeah. And so once you start to see results like that, you're like, okay, there's something yeah. here. I got to share this with more yeah. people. Very good. Um, and I'm curious cause you're still like, you're still living it. What was the biggest, what was the biggest misconception about entrepreneurship and building your own business that you had going in that you sort of matured on over the past year? Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things is I waited too long to, to leverage other people. Mm, that's smart. Okay. You know, I tried to lone wolf it and with my pride, I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. This is what I'm going to do. Right. And uh, I started talking to more and more people. And at the same time, I wish I would have outsourced different components of what I was doing. And that would have massively accelerated yeah. like where I was going and how fast. Do you, do you, do you outsource stuff now? Like, I, I, like it's, is it just, it's not yeah. just you now yeah. you're, you're starting to grow like team. And, and build it there. Right. Yeah, I have I have different contracts. You don't even have to hire people full time right now. That's the beautiful thing, right? So you can ramp it up, whether it be with your content, whether it be your your, your podcast development, whether it be yeah. lead. I mean, there's so many different things. You're we talking about this before, yeah. like how I'm, you know, we're like I, I'm trying to do that now just because you and it's like the classic, like first time. I don't even know it's first time. It's just classic person who's never scaled before problem. They just feel they can do everything themselves. Yeah. And that's, that's, yeah. I mean, that's a map. Like, and I, here's the thing. Somebody told me this, and a great book to read on this is Who Not How. Have you ever heard of the book Who Not How by Dan Sullivan? I, 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 the, it is a familiar name, but I don't, I'm not placing it. Uh, maybe I've seen it in the past. I can't okay. remember. So, any entrepreneur that wants to get more skilled at outsourcing, read that book. Like, it, it totally right. changes the game in terms of your time. Like, you could buy your time back at a discount massively. It's insane. Mm -hmm. So that's my tip. Good. That's good. Okay. Um, I like to do some some rapid fire career questions to, to pull it at the end. Um, is there anything else that you want to touch on about what you're doing with the business going forward or, or do we cover most everything? No, man, we, we, we pretty much covered anything, everything. So just like right. if you're interested, okay, cool. um, connect with me. I mean, like connect with me on LinkedIn and I have a podcast yeah. as well. Sales and marketing built freedom. Nice. Very nice. Okay, good. All right. Um, biggest challenge you had in your entire career. How did you overcome it? Yeah, I think um, my biggest challenge in my entire career was when I got demoted, even though I was doing well, because I was burnt out and fried. And hmm. at the same time, my relationships were melting down with my family, with my kids, because I was so burnt out. I was fried. And how I overcame it is I started focusing on things outside of work. Just like I did goals for work. I did goals about relationships and fun and life. And, and that changed everything. My results got better. Everything got better. So that's one thing I'd recommend. Good. Smart. Very smart. Um, what would be one thing you would tell your 20 year old self? Ah, the 20 year olds, not even my 21. So I can't even drink yet in this scenario. Right. <laughs> you're, no, you're still responsible because then the lessons go downhill once you start drinking for like the next five years. Okay. So don't. <laughs> so here's what I would say is like early, early, early in my career, one of my one of the beautiful gifts that I got from my parents is to work hard. 
And that's only a piece of the equation. Um, so my advice I give to my 20 year old self, not my 21 year old self, is to really seek out the best of of what you want to become, who that who those people are, what do they look like, what do they believe, and reverse engineer that, and you can do anything in really fast time. And it took me a long time to figure that. Once I figured that out, I mean things took off like a rocket. Good advice. Very good advice. Um, you you just touched on this, but I'll I'll see if you get a different answer. The the person or people who have been really influential in your life, what did they teach you? Yeah, I mean, you know, my parents and my wife, my kids, just just being loving um, and yeah. putting your heart out there and just being supportive no matter what the situation. Uh, and that's that's been absolutely amazing with all the ups and downs that I've had in my career. So this is a different answer. It's more on the emotional side, Scott. You know, so it's um, okay. It's good. So yeah, it's man. Good. So so that's what I would say is just people being there for you in situations where you really really need them. Good. Um, what's a, a podcast or a book that you'd recommend people go check out besides all the ones you already recommended? <laughs> I'm, away. I'm dropping stuff left and right. Okay. So, I know, I know. Um, can, can I give two books? Is that cool, man? Yeah, yeah for sure. Go for it. Go for all it. Right. Yeah. So and I like a little recency bias, but one book that's really good for exponential thinking is a book called U Squared. Have you ever heard of U Squared? No, I don't know that. These are it's, new to me. It's all new. only 36 pages long. And it's, it's one of the most thought-provoking books. And a mentor of mine recommended me to read it every single week because it, it's all about um, thinking differently in ways that can exponentially increase your life. So that's book number one. Book number two that I am in the middle of that I'm absolutely infatuated with is The Innovation Secrets of Steve Jobs. Uh, I could have read that book 10 years ago and not get out of it what I'm what I'm like internalizing right now with how truly, truly masterful he was at vision and inspiring people at an emotional level. And I, I think it's some of the stuff is really beautiful in what he did. Um, I know he gets painted as like a kind of a a jerk or a hardcore guy, but there's some yeah. amazing things that he did that could help you if you're interested change the world. Very good. Um, what does success mean to you? Oh, that's a good question, man. Um, and I have the type A achiever where it's like, I got to see results, like tangible results. Uh, but I heard Tom Billy say this and it really, really hit me is like how you feel about yourself when nobody else is around, when you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you feel? Like, and that that's pretty powerful, man. That is, yeah. Very, that's a, that's a good answer. Um, and then most importantly, where do people connect with you? All your socials, website, any of that? Yeah. So my website is ryanstaley.io. That's the best. So my podcast is there. I got content there. And then you can connect me if you're interested and need some help on some of the things that we talked about. Awesome. That's all I got. Perfect. That was awesome. Yeah. That was really, really good. Thank you, man. Let me make sure this is all.
I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, 
drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 